So Matthew 14, 14, and tonight I want to talk about meaningful connections. Um, and really, when we're building a church, we're, it's more than just the structure as we've talked about, but it's really loving the person in front of us. So no matter what culture they in, they're in or what they believe, we were in Frederick recently, I talked to an Indian who was a devout Hindu, and we were talking circles together. And I just wound up saying to him, you know what? God loves you. And I just gave him the simple gospel, even though he was not really comprehending what I was saying. But we know that kingdom words go in. Amen? They go in, they lodge, they're working, and they're active. And um, regardless of the response... Uh, God is going to bring those words back to that precious man. I, his wife was there and his two kids, and and uh, boy, it was uh, it was quite an interesting conversation. But 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 let's think about this for a minute. Uh, look at Matthew fourteen fourteen. Meaningful connections, and I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but this verse answers the question: What is a meaningful contact, or what is a meaningful connections? Because we, we must be in the moment with people. And I'm going to stress that from the very beginning because we can't just be results-oriented because the results will never tell you and I the, the full scope of impact. Okay, It'll never tell us that. Uh, you might be ministering to somebody for a week and there's a harvest. There's a response. You might be ministering to somebody off and on for five years right? Uh, I remember we were in a conference in China and we were ministering to a couple and the wife said, I'm ready to get saved. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. I said, let's have your husband come over. And we led her to Christ. And the husband was in tears. And I said, I said, tell me the story. What's going on? And he said, my wife's been coming to church here for two years, two years. And this was the moment where she responded. So that's awesome, isn't it? It's like, so Meaningful contact is a personal contact. I want to give you a couple points here uh, that will help us understand what a, uh, what a meaningful contact is. Because it is, okay, number one, let's read 1414. Um, and we see this right out of the gate here. It says, and Jesus went out and he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. Do you see those words? Mm-hmm. Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. That's my class tonight. We can all go home now. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus moved with compassion. He just didn't speak, he moved. It just wasn't something he was about. It was who he is and who he was. And this compassion was uh, unrelenting, wasn't it? It was relentless. And then he, it says he moved with compassion for, for them and healed them and the sick. So I want to give you a couple points about what it means to have a meaningful um, connection because Satan wants an impersonal church. He wants a church that's all about the programs. I love programs, by the way, spirit-filled programs. I think we should have a strategy 
just winging it just doesn't work. But Mr. Olu said we pray and we get God's mind and there's a plan because a train cannot run without a track, right? A train cannot run without a track. So I'm the first one to say I love a plan, but I'm not restricted to a plan, okay? But the very first thing is they moved with compassion. Okay, so number one, Jesus was in the moment with people. He was in the moment, okay? In the moment. I learned this the hard way, uh, and I'm still learning it the hard way. Uh, Talking with young people, I I like to plan and fill my schedule and and really get get like a, a specific time with people and you know, the perfect world is, you know, no interruptions, so let's plan to meet Tuesday at 2, right? Uh, do you know what I'm saying? Okay. And guess what happens? Tuesday at 2 comes around and they don't show up sometimes. Some do, some don't, right? So I fill my schedule about 130% because I lose probably 50% of my, my, my appointments. So I thought to myself, this is not, this is not working. So just very simply, I said, I'm going to be in the moment with people, which means when they're in front of me, I'm going to, I'm going to have a moment of ministry with them, okay? In the moment. I'm not, certainly I'll plan to meet with them if there's counseling or, or designated time to talk about certain things, but I don't want to plan ahead. I want to be in the moment. And in that moment means three things, Okay. We're listening to their story. Okay. We are learning their story. And we are loving them with God's story. Okay. Listening not to respond, which is so easy to do, right? But I'm listening to learn. I'm listening to understand. What's the difference? What's the difference between listening to respond or listening to learn? What's the difference? Gary. You can remember what they said. Okay. That's huge. And when you can remember, you can what? Yeah, you can, but you can also give the consult according to conversation. Yeah, you can actually refer back to it, like, like, like sometimes people wonder, is this person really listening to me? But if you refer back to, let's say someone says, hey, you know, there are a lot of words. People are really like lots of words, boom, boom, boom. So in my mind, I'm like, Lord, help me find, help me find the major points. Okay, my mom is in the hospital, and my dog has three legs, and my daughter just, uh, you know, loves pizza and pray for me because I'm getting, I'm getting evicted. Like, okay, it's like, right? So, ref- listening causes us to hopefully remember. And what, and what's a good way to to remember? What, what do we do when people are given a lot of information? What do we do? Exactly. Very good. That's actually super important in communication to make sure you're catching what they're saying. Did I hear you correctly? Did you really just say you had pneumonia for the last four months? Yeah, my goodness, you know. 
person's good. You know. So that's listening. This is a lost art. This is a lost art. Listening means that, and it takes, for me, I have to downshift personally because I, I, I like to be engaged with the person in the moment. But that doesn't mean we're, we're letting them talk for 40 minutes either, right? I was in a counseling session where someone came in for counseling. They talked for 50 minutes. And I said, well, it was nice being with you today. Have a good day. They're like, aren't you going to say anything? I'm like, you said it all. <laughs> you said it all and then some. <laughs> okay, so there's a, there's a creative way to interrupt people, right, Pastor? Pastor Amir has a very good way of doing it. Can you tell him about the ball? I love this. you got to tell him about the baseball. All right, so we got, we got a couple in the office, and they're both talking over each other. And I feel like I'm a referee between both of them. So it's like, okay, we're gonna, we, we need to do something so we can go somewhere. So I have this baseball ball in my table. So I said, okay, so now I have the baseball ball. That means I'm the only one allowed to talk. And so I gave it to the husband. And the wife is not allowed to talk. I'm not, a, I'm not even allowed to talk because I don't have the ball. And it works. So when someone doesn't have the ball, they're not talking. That is brilliant because I met with this couple and I couldn't get a word in edgewise. I'm like, the baseball. Hopefully, don't they don't throw it at you? Okay, listen, learning. What are we learning? What are we learning? So we are learning their past, their present situation, and their potential. Most of the time. People are blind to their potential. So in conversation, we can highlight as we learn and say, listen, you have a real gift or a real heart for ministry. You have a real tremendous uh, attitude about your Bible. You have a real hunger. for." Like we highlight and we're making by the grace of God, and this is where the Holy Spirit does it, if it's personal... It's powerful. If it's not personal, it is not powerful. It is impersonal, which Satan is a master at it. Okay? Impersonal. We know when it's impersonal because the, maybe the person's distracted. You ever talk to somebody and they're like, they're, they're looking at everything and they're talking to people. Or, uh, and this is our culture, isn't it? I'm, you try to have a conversation with somebody and you're interrupted. It's like, it's like, that's tough, isn't it? Yeah. How do you deal with that? How do you, here you are talking to somebody, they're brand new, and your buddy comes up and interrupts the conversation. What do you do? What do you do? Pastor Mayor, what do you do? Brand new person in the church, they're, they're like, because everything is speaking to the new visitor, everything from the, from the parking lot to the pew, everything is speaking. How? Because we're communicating with much more than our words. We're communicating with our body language, which is 55% nonverbal, 38% of our tone, only 8% of what we say is actually communicated. So if I'm listening, I'm listening with my whole body. So, so let's say Pastor Mir is in the lobby because we love hospitality. This is radical hospitality. And there's a new person. And let's say someone comes up to you and they just don't discern the moment. You ever have that happen? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. All the time. What do you do? What do you? How do you handle that? 
Yes, sir, go ahead. No, I said I always stop, turn around, and the person who knows me, I would tell them, hey, can I get back with you, uh, tell them, hey, right now, it's not the time of something like that. Good. Okay. Anybody else? That's the best answer. It is a good answer. <laughs> it is a good answer, but I have a nuance I want to add to that, but that's, that's right on target. Yes. It's also possible sometimes to bring uh, in the third person and to repeat, to repeat what it was just said so you, you know everything he said and you introduce him and making the new person, the, the new believer maybe or the new person just the center of the conversation and at least instead of being you being attracted to the, by the other person. Okay, there it is, okay. You include them, okay? Uh, just say, okay, you're talking. Let's say, Andrew, come on up here. Let's say, let's say, Andrew. I'm talking to Andrew and Ramir. Come on up, Pastor Ramir. So Andrew's the new guy. We're talking, talking. Ramir interrupts. Pastor Ramir interrupts. Hey, guys. Hey. So when that happens, I get distracted. So I'm, like, I'm like, okay, Andrew, hey, this is... He's talking, and it's like, I usually put my hand on them like this, and I say, hey, this is Pastor Ramir. And Pastor Ramir, this is Andrew. He's brand new in the church. Hey, nice to meet you. And you just interrupted me. You need to get no. But you include them. And what happens is you direct the conversation back to the primary point to keep it personal, because personal means we're listening, right? Yes. And we can do that a bunch of ways, but yes, go ahead. Nikki, say, right? Is it Nikki? Yes, sir. Go ahead. I was going to say, unless it was a very personal conversation where oh, yes. another person couldn't come in, I would introduce them and then ask them if they could give me a minute. Perfect. With the person. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, if someone's pouring out their heart, that's not a time to include somebody. Good, good, great point. Great point, right? I've also said this too to somebody. Hey, I can't give you my undivided attention right now, so let me let me talk to you later. Okay, okay, great point. Anybody else? Yes, Erhan. And also, uh, I want to add that one. Uh, then new people came to the church. Like a few times, we just like really like being we like person. I try to be with them, like until like they feel like comfortable. Okay, good. And they will, I will like try to give time to them, like being with them, like if other people come or goes. I try to always keep the conversation like according the like you know the like uh, they are because they are new. <coughs> like I'm just trying to like uh, explain things to them, mm-hmm. and they they will not really like feel so strange. Excellent, good. And they like become like more you know familiar to the body of Christ. Okay, great point, great point. So we're learning their name. We're learning six things about them, right? Six things, okay? And as we're learning, I love what Erhan is saying, we're showing them that they belong. If God's called you here, you belong. You're, you're family here. I love to say that in, uh, with pastoral care. You belong here. If you want to be here, the door is high and wide. You're welcome, or you can go... Uh, but we're learning their name. What else are we learning? Maybe we're learning their child's names. Maybe we're learning their occupation. Maybe we're learning what they're passionate about. Uh, maybe we're learning, you know, is there something I can pray for? 
Personal connection means I'm celebrating what they're interested in and I'm moving with compassion and saying, God, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want the Holy Spirit. Uh, where are we here? The number two, touch their spirit. Is this going to happen all the time? Not as much as we hope. I mean, we want people to really have an encounter with God. We want people to really connect to Christ's life. But how you handle them is so key. And don't be hard on yourself if you get distracted or you get lost or, or uh, somebody interrupts and you, you migrate to another conversation. Uh, but guard that. That's actually very common because uh, people like fly by night, bump, bump in and don't even discern the moment that's going on. So number two, we're seeing as we learn, as we learn uh, you know, their story, we could say, we're loving them with God's story. And this is where the Holy Spirit touches their heart. Because a lot of people come with unspoken needs, requests, history. Uh, man, there's just so much brokenness in our lives. And here we are in the church or in a conversation. We're on the streets. There's a connection. We're moving with compassion. Not pity, not sentimentality, but compassion. And that's Jude 24, which says, some having compassion make an impact, right? Maybe I don't know a lot. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm not sure what to say to the person. Maybe it's something where I have no idea their bad experience. I've never experienced that, let's say. But we can move with compassion. We can move with compassion. Maybe that compassion is I put my arm around that person. Maybe that person. Maybe I take a minute and I say, let's pray. Maybe uh, we just take a moment and we're silent and really, like, maybe God breaks us in the moment. Uh, we're with them in the moment. I can't stress that enough. And it's so simple. But it's yet hard to implement. Hard to implement. Okay. Look at Acts, Acts, uh, Acts 8 for a minute. So I started to practice this, to be in the moment. And you know what? It doesn't take a long time to, ha to make a personal connection. And by the way, we're not going to have a meaningful connection with everybody, right? Some people are not going to be so interested. If we want it more than the individual, then we got to kind of dial it back a little bit, right? <laughs> But if there's really a hunger and an interest, by the grace of God, we're there. And we're building other people around us because we can't minister to everybody, right? You and I, we're not Captain America here, right? <laughs> or Wonder Woman, right? But we're, we're loving the person in front of us. That's huge, right? Because love builds the capacity for correction, for transformation, for healing. Uh, it's incredible. Okay, Acts 8, 26 through 40. Amazing set of verses here. <clears throat> Philip is uh, talking to, to the Ethiopian eunuch here. And uh, this is a divine appointment, right? Okay, the Lord spoke to Philip, arise and go to the south along the road and goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert, so he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a great authority under the uh, 
the Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, and there it is. It's a work of the Spirit, right? If we're Spirit-filled, the Lord will show you and I how to approach that person, how to minister to that person, right? Like sometimes I ask somebody, like, uh, what are you looking for in a church? Right? What questions? Don't ask yes and no questions. Are you new here? Eh. Don't, don't say those words, right? I did that one time. I said, hey, are you new here? No, Pastor Jason, I've been here for two years. <laughs> I'm like, oops. Bad. Okay, I've made every mistake possible, right? Insert open, bo- open mouth, insert body, right? Just say, how long have you been coming? You know, ask open-ended questions that cause them to talk if they want to talk. Like, what are you looking for in a church? How can I pray for you today? Or maybe the person's a little, like, I love what Erhan said, they're a little bit maybe cautious. They're like, who are you? Where am I? The devil's on my shoulder saying, get out of here, get out of here. These people are weird. Da, 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 da. And here, here comes a really smiley person that says, I love you. You know, That's a little too much, you know. <laughs> holy kiss and holy cow, you know, it's like too much. So it's, it's approach. It's reading their capacity. And I love what he says here. And the spirit gives them creativity, right? I mean, how many, how many days, I mean, how many people do you know when you walk up to them, they're reading the book of Isaiah. Anybody found anybody like that? <laughs> I haven't. I wish. Um, so I love this. Do you understand what you're reading? What a great question. That's an awesome book. Do you understand what you're reading? And I love, the, I love this response. How can I unless someone guides me? Oh, my goodness. That's what we want to hear, right? Not everyone's going to be like this, but we're in a day and age, I feel where people are very open. All right. Let me, uh, let me bring your attention. Well, actually, I'm wondering if I should bring that up now. Hmm. Okay, let's just say this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.22. Let's, let's go here instead. 1 Corinthians. So how did, how did Jesus approach people? How did Jesus approach people? He asked questions. Good. Very good. How else did he approach people? <coughs> Gary. Okay. Good. Excellent. Right? We heard this the other night. Ezekiel 3.15. He sat where they sat. Before he opened his mouth, he was observing surroundings, right? Woman at the well. You know? Give me to drink. The woman says, you don't have anything to draw from. Okay, he, he, t- he tends to go in on the natural, relatable level, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what 1 Corinthians 9.22 is talking about. Right? We become all things to all men that by all means we, we win some, right? So we might have one approach, but one approach does not fit all, correct? Yes. So creativity is really in the moment. Like we were visiting a brother in the hospital uh, just yesterday, and this brother couldn't speak because he had, was in a very bad accident. And you know how that awkward silence can be? You know how that can be? So I'm there with Pastor Schaller, and all of a sudden, Pastor Schaller starts to sing, right? 
right there in the ICU, right? And this gentleman just began to respond. Like he was not talking, not really moving, but he began to respond to pastor's voice and to pastor's singing. And I have a joke about that because <laughs> he, he's a good singer. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you just creatively use all the tools in the toolbox and you don't know which one is going to touch their heart. Okay? Maybe a word, maybe a Bible verse you've been meditating on. You know, I was in Home Depot not long ago. I just said to the lady, I said, hey, do you, you know, you heard any good news today? And she goes, not really. And I said, well, hey, we're forgiven by God today. It wasn't this theological thing, but it was just kind of like, you're forgiven. You are loved, right? I think I said this last class, I was buying paint. And I said to her, she goes, you working on a home project? And I said, yeah. I said, I said, paint covers a multitude of sins, right? She's like, I like that. I said, are you a believer? She goes, I am. I said, isn't it great that we're covered by the blood of Christ? You know, So it's like approach, and God will show you. Because sometimes, I don't know, we can be a bull in the china closet. We'll be saying things, offending people. We don't even know we're offending them, right? It's, it's really fun to do that. Okay. To the weak, I became the weak that I might gain the weak. Okay, amazing. Isn't that good? Identification. That's the third one. Sorry, my blackboard is all over the place. Identification. Now, I have to be honest. You and I are unable to identify with people. You and I have no idea what people are going through. No idea. So I want to, I want to release some spiritual stress. And what do I mean by that? Don't try. Don't try. Because you and I may be able to identify with a portion of what they're going through because we're relating it to something that we've been through. Well, like, let's say someone lost a loved one, okay? I'm not going to say I know how you feel, even though I've lost people in my life very close to me. Because I know how I felt. It was like a nuclear bomb blowing up in my chest. But I have no idea how they feel. So when we're talking about identification, the only person that knows what's going on in that person's heart is who? God, the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. So if you and I are in the Spirit praying, and I don't know about you, I pray a lot when I talk to people, then God will give you a word that circumvents, it goes higher than the, whatever's experiential going on. What about the sentence? I know this is like difficult for you. Like instead of instead of like maybe like you know, I says I know what you feel. Instead of that question, we can say I know it is difficult for you. Yeah, you could say that. It's better. It's better. Okay. Sure. Yeah. What would be another way thing we could say? Again, relating to them based not only on their problem or or crisis, but kind of going a step higher, what, what's something we could say? Let's say somebody just lost their house, lost their job. What would you how, how could we have a meaningful connection there? God gave, God takes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Erhan. Praise <laughs> the From the job, yeah? If he slays me, I will trust him. Amen. I mean, 
We have to be careful of pious platitudes, you know what I'm saying, like cliches. They're like, like I remember when my mom passed, this person was so dear. They just said, you know, they, you know, they were, gosh, they just were going with this theological, uh, beautiful point. But I was so broken, I couldn't receive anything. I was just so broken. And I, it, what they were saying was actually turning me off, actually. And it was right, what they were saying. But it was not personal. You see what I'm saying? Because that person's in heaven. You should be rejoicing. (laughs) Yes, praise God. But I can't even think clearly right now. How on earth? So, again, approach is really important. So what what would be an approach we could say? We can hug. Okay. There you go. That's silence. Silence, yeah, that's good. How about somebody, anybody else? Erhan's got all the answers tonight. I love it. <laughs> What's a way we can minister in a personal way? Hugging, that's great. What's another way? Just listening. Okay, fantastic. Yes. What else? Weep. Learn how to cry. Okay. Turn on the water faucets. No. Go on. Inviting them to something, you know, even like buying them a coffee or something like that, you know, giving something like, come with me, just spending time. More than spending time. Offering something like, come, I'm going to buy you something. Time. Very good. Time. You can never get it back. Yeah. People will remember it, though. Okay, good. How about this simple prayer? You know, I don't even ask people, can I pray for you? I just start praying. And it's not this long, drawn out, like, bless all the missionaries in Africa kind of prayer either, even though that's, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be sarcastic like that, but it's poignant, it's pointed, and it's like, it's like, it might be a few words like, Jesus, have mercy and encourage. Like, it doesn't take a lot to make it personal. It just takes <laughs> being authentic, right? Yeah. All right. All right, beautiful. Well, you're doing a great job tonight. Okay, let me give you a couple things. Okay, so so all things to all men's, okay, means these things. Number one, everyone has a place. Everyone has a place. Okay, in the church, I don't... Mind. I mean, we had a guy in our church, tattoos all over. We called him Tattoo Norm. Okay, great guy. A lot of people didn't talk to Tattoo Norm because they were just intimidated by all the tattoos. What's a great thing to say to somebody who has a lot of tattoos? I like tattoos. Exactly. <laughs> or I like to say this. Hey, tell me the story behind your tattoos. They're obviously important to you. You got a lot of them. I remember going to a coffee shop, and this lady waited on me. She had a pentagram on her on her forehead. I, I just I, had, I got up and left, actually, because that was a little too much for me. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to eat, like, demonic, like my food was offered to idols or something. I was like, I think I'm going to go to another coffee shop. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I mean, seriously, this lady was really, I mean, hair was up there, and I was like right out of witchcraft city, you know. All right. Um, everyone has a place. Number two... None are excluded. None are excluded. This is, this is like the mindset. None are excluded, okay? 
uh, they may rub me or my culture or my upbringing or they might, I might be having a culture shock, right? Like people walk in with like different color hair. Like one lady walked in the church recently that purple hair. It's like I love the hair. You know, you know whatever God gives you. I mean, maybe you don't love the hair, but you love the hair in that moment, I guess. I don't know. Um, number three, nobody is inferior. Nobody's inferior. God accepted people where they were, but He did not leave them where they were. Okay, that's what love does. Love doesn't leave us where it finds us, right? Remember when we got saved? We were a train wreck, but look at us today, right? Now we're less of a train wreck. Okay, yes, Yvonne. Uh, yeah, uh, I was wondering is, because none are excluded, as you said, and we have, we can go to everybody, like, like you said, but at the same time, sometimes we don't have the capacity Yes. And is it a problem? Do we have to pray and God will give us capacity for everybody? Or is there some people like we're not able to go towards them and it's okay in a sense? Not being like every time we don't <laughs> we don't feel like going to them, it's like, oh, okay, it's not for me. Because we have to pray and sometimes we have to go by faith. I, but is it okay if like some people in the church, we will never go to them actually, in a sense? Yeah, it's very possible. Pastor Mary, you want to answer that? It's a very good question. But I think it reminds me of what Pastor Shada said in one of his messages that we don't want to be the people that are needy, like we want everybody to come to us. We don't need to be like that. Like we want everybody to come to us, or either we go to them all the time. Uh, I think God provides people around us. And whoever is God sending on your way, you minister to those people. Um, so you don't have to please everybody, really. I mean, uh, unless, you know, God gives you people and focus on those. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. You, can don't have, you don't have an answer for everybody. It's true. Yeah. Daniel? That's why I just think it's so important to be led in everything we do. Yes. We have to be aware of God, be of all these things. Because people Pastor Jason can reach, yeah. Pastor Miro can never reach them. Because he has a different call of us. That reminds me of a funny story. I, I knew this single guy that really wanted to disciple this young lady. <laughs> really have this calling to disciple this young lady. I'm like, you should really pray about that. <laughs> Little motive check, yes. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say that uh, because I thought his question was real important. I also um, believe that, um, like what Daniel said, uh, you guys said that when you are uh, ministering to to someone in your church, I believe you should be spirit led because if if regardless of who you are, uh, how how spiritual you may think you are, whether you're a pastor, a leader, whatever, even if you're not. I believe everybody has areas that they, in their life that we have to overcome. Yes. And, um, 
I don't believe if, if, if you have an area in your life that is that you may struggle with or have a particular temptation for, and you and you see something in another person that may tempt you, yes. I don't think you should go and minister to that because it is it, it's a familiar spirit. Okay, excellent. So I think you, know, you have to be careful and you have to be spirit led in all things. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I mean if you if, if there's like a drinking problem or an addiction problem or uh, just a party spirit. It's like getting around people with those same weaknesses will will take you down, right? Yes. Great point. Great point. So it's very clear. I hope that's crystal clear that we're led by the Spirit and that we're moved with compassion. The little things do great things and moved in the Spirit, right? Little as much in the hand of God, right? Mother Teresa said this. She goes, you know, little things done with great love have great impact, right? Eternal impact. So, all right, so all are welcome in whatever condition. That's number four. All are welcome in whatever condition. I remember talking to a, a guy that hadn't taken a bath in about a month. He smelled so bad, my eyes watered. You know, was I thrilled to talk with him? Not so much. But I just was like, okay, God. And I just want to say this. I love what you said about the team and this is, I'm a huge proponent with you on this, is that if you can't reach them, your, your team member may be the key. So don't, so this is why we're always having people around us. We, we do ministry Acts 20, 20, two by two, right? We're always having people with us uh, because most of the time, <laughs> I remember going to a hospital visit and, and uh, the person I brought uh, ministered to the person in the hospital bed more more than I did. The person didn't even want to talk to me. It was kind of an odd situation. <laughs> I'm like initiating the spiritual. <laughs> talk to the other guy. I was like, okay, hey, I'll go get a, go get a coffee. Have a great visit. <laughs> and it was a great visit for them. It was, the, but there's a great point. I'm, you know, we're not always going to have the, the thing going on there. Okay. Um, lastly, loving people where they are with God's love, right? This is what we're saying here. Loving with God's story. What's God's viewpoint? What's God's attitude? What's God's mindset about that person? Right? Listen, if someone doesn't fit, nobody fits. Right? Amen. That doesn't mean I'm going to go on vacation with them. But I want, to, I want to be prayerful. And this is where praying for people is a huge thing. Because God will give you compassion for somebody. Uh, and you'll be able to approach somebody. Like teenagers, right? I was I had an interesting experience today, like uh, like I was talking with a brother, and their ch their teenage child came, and it was like you could just feel the the just the disrespect, you know, just you know, people can kind of move and they just kind of blow you off, you know, and we can kind of get ruffled, and God's like, it's not about you, it has nothing, you know, let that all go, like let it roll off you, and then you're able to kind of engage that young person and say, hey. You are loved, or, or hey, I love your shoes. Those are, those are so cool, you know. Or you can relate to them based on God's story. Mm -hmm. If I'm waiting for people to fit my my uh, mo there or my my way, then guess what? Uh, it's not God's story. Okay, it's my story, and that's no, that's not interesting. All right, let's take a break because I'm going to introduce another topic here. Any questions on this that we're talking about tonight? Okay, good. All right, we're going to do the second half here, and I want to...
talk a little bit about the five practices of an effective ministry. And um, again, something was brought up about our culture, and we're in a neo-pagan, post-Christian day and age where people are... um, they just—they're just lost, <laughs> like never before, isn't it? Isn't it? And 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 some Christians, there's an ecumenical kind of faith where they take a little bit from everywhere, from Hinduism to Eastern mysticism to Buddhism to um, even Islam. It's just incredible. Um, but a Bible-believing minister, you're going to realize right away the preciseness of your faith. Is going to be it's going to be abrupt, and so therefore, we just want to read capacity, and that's why we move with compassion, and we don't start on step five. Like it's funny, I, I see this happen a lot in the church. Like a new person comes in the church, and uh, the person may say, "Hey, you need to come to Bible college," you know, and it's like that's a great thing to say, but that's not that's not what you say at the first step, correct? Yeah. Because they have no idea who they are, what they are, where we are, who, you know. You know, one of the leading questions we like to say is, what are you looking for in a church? And we take our time and we lead them, like Erhan said. And then eventually, we, you can come into the church if you want, uh, the Bible school, anytime you want. But uh, I want to lead in on what's called the bottom shelf. I want to ask questions so we know where that person's at, so we know how to lead them in a meaningful way. All right. So I want to kind of think about. So it's what's there's terms called the unchurched, the churched, and the dechurched. Okay. Real simple. And I'm going to let you look at these um, these resources which are on that website uh, because it's too much to go into. But um, <laughs> and today we're actually in the divergent church. Actually, the church that calls themselves the church that has no resemblance of the teachings of Christ. But the unchurched are people that do not know the gospel. And surprisingly, America is the third largest unreached nation in the world. Okay? So especially the next generation coming up, they are lost. They are lost. The traditions of how we grew up and the, the mandatory church attendance and, and this type of thing, um, because many parents have chosen to be a friend to their kids, they have not parented them in a religious foundation. So our work is, we have an abundance of work to do in our, own, in our world. But the de-churched are people that have been hurt by the church. Unfortunately, that is common. I feel like there are more de-churched people in the United States in certain age brackets than there are unchurched. I believe the unchurched are really 30 and under. But a large portion of people from, from 30 to 50, I have seen personally a lot of de-churched people unfortunately have been hurt by the church or misunderstood the mission of the church or somehow have been used by the church and thrown away. Okay, that's a huge topic we can talk about. And then the divergent church. The divergent church is people that have are doing the thing. They're doing the work of God in the name of Christ but has no 
real foundation of the Bible. Okay? But I want to look at this. Um, when we're reaching the unchurched, there's... Uh, I mean, you certainly can look through this online. I want to highlight a couple things. Um, so the unchurched, the millennials, is a term that I have found millennials don't like hearing that about themselves. <laughs> so we want to be careful about labeling people. That's never a good idea. But uh, when we're reaching the unchurched, we have to understand a couple things. Uh, number one, they do not have big problems. And I want to highlight this, and I, you can read all this. It's on that website, on our class website. But when we were growing up, and then the generation before us, there, were, there was usually crisis. So crisis led them to the church. War. Um, turmoil. Uh, difficulty. But we're in, we're in an age where there's tremendous comfort, tremendous blessing, and tremendous provision so the millennials, the young people, they don't have big problems per se. So to approach them in that kind of way may not be applicable. Now some do. I don't want to do like broad strokes here. But reaching them, you know, they're interested in career. They're interested in family. They're interested in um, making money. And those things cannot be demonized in the church. They must be incorporated to ministry to have a godly goal and a godly purpose and to be a godly witness wherever you are. So somebody might say, oh, you're amazing. You're a missionary. And I would say, I'm not as any, I'm not any greater amazing than anybody else. We all put our pants on the same way, <laughs> but you can be a doctor and be a spirit filled doctor. You can be a spirit filled um, businesswoman or but I, I do love missions. We spent a lot of years overseas, and uh, there's a great need for it, especially in our own country. I'm really burdened for our own country. We actually leave tomorrow morning at the crack of dawn to go to Atlanta, and uh, we really have a passion about planting churches in the United States, and uh, be praying for that. There's a lot of opportunity in our country. Our country is in serious trouble. Yes. And the only answer for our country is the Bible, the gospel, and moving in compassion. And courageous people, people that are not going to shrink back, Proverbs 24.10, and worry about every jot and tittle. But, like, there's courage, and there's, there's moving in the spirit. And I think, I think in our country, and every country is valuable, but in particular in the U.S., I believe we are being positioned for revival. Because we have some serious things coming down the pike that are going to shake what can be shaken. And if we're not holding on to Jesus, or if Jesus is not holding on to us, which we know he is, we're going to be moved out of our place. So you and I, as trained ministers of life, we have to go beyond the status quo, and we have to live in the power of Acts 9.15, that we are... Handpicked, we are handpicked, Acts 9.15, excuse me, handpicked by God for his mission. So, all right, so the unchurched, they don't have big problems, okay? So do I even need God? That's a big question. I don't have any problems. I got a good job, make six figures, or I got whatever. 
You know, everything is everything is nice. Really? Okay. Well, we know the holes in that one, right? Eternal purpose, right? Number two, they don't—they're not as guilty as we may think. I'm just going to highlight these. So these are all in the papers. So I want to kind of save your hand there. They're less guilty than you think, right? Okay. There's a Laodicean spirit. So when someone comes into your church, or when you're on when you're on the streets talking to them, don't assume they know what you're talking about. We were in a restaurant, and a, and a young man came to our table, and he had this cross on his, on, his, uh, on his neck. And I said, hey, I love your necklace, right? He goes, thanks. He's like looking at me like, how on earth do you know what this necklace is about? And I said, that is the sign of our faith, cross. He goes, really? He says, no, no, this is my skateboarding. This is my skateboard emblem. I'm like, what? <laughs> so... It's crazy, and we see this in most hospitals where, where things are taken down so no one's offended. People forget the original meaning of, these, of the cross and or other things, and they've been revised. And the secularists have rewritten our history, and now people are ignorant, big time. So go slow with them, but don't be afraid. And I said, you know what? The original meaning of that was the cross, and that's where Jesus came. This is before he even took our order. He's like, I'm preaching at him. He's like, can I just take your order? I said, yeah, wait a minute. Jesus died for you. Guy's like, okay. All right. Thirdly, church attendance. Occasional is regular. It's like, come to church? Like, I grew up, you were in church unless you were dying, right? And that's beautiful. I mean, I was a kid. I was slept under the pew of the church, and I was bored out of my mind half the time. And then, then God got a hold of my life when I was 14, and then I became part of a youth ministry that really totally drastically changed the way I, the way I live, actually. So when you're talking to somebody, come to church. you got to come to church. They may never come to church. So you're the church. So I'm not going to say come to the church. My message isn't come to the church, even though they should come to the church, even though I believe in the church. What's our message? Come to Jesus, come to Jesus right? Hallelujah. That sounded Pentecostal. That was good. Come to Jesus. <laughs> Do I hear an amen? <laughs> oh, man, I love this class. It's so good. <laughs> oh, is there an interpretation? Okay, sorry. All right. Number four, very interesting. Most people think they're spiritual. You ever talk to somebody? Hey, are you a believer? No, I'm spiritual. What on earth does that mean? It's like, and it's good, it's good to make them define their own terms. Say, okay, hey, that's awesome. What, on, what is, you know, you know, gracious, respectful way. What does that mean? And try not to, like, laugh, you know. Sorry, I'm a little tired here, so I got, I got to be careful. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of different stories of... Okay. Number five, people don't even know what the word Christian even means. Right? You know, are you a believer? Yeah, I, my grandmother knew the Lord and talked to me about the Lord. I said, praise God for your grandmother, you know. But how about you? Like, it's a personal decision. So, like, standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. It's the same thing coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, right? So it's that same principle. What is Christian? What does the word Christian even mean? What does it mean? Follower of Christ. There it is. Follower of Christ. 
Okay. How about this? Number six, they can't, you cannot talk to them about something they never knew. Right? Why is the church so important? People have no idea. The spiritual community is on so many levels. Uh, it it, uh, it um, enriches the person's life, not only in their faith, but in their, uh, in their own personal uh, physiological, physical, psychological, emotional. It's an incredible blessing, right? Uh, many have tried church, and they've left the church. So if someone's left the church, I'm not, I don't want to know, like, you know, within reason, we don't want to get into the dirty laundry, but we just want to find out, hey, what was it that, that you know, that you, were, that you didn't connect to, or what was it? How, how is it that I, because think about it, God is moving with compassion. God is relentless. He is constantly pursuing the individual, right? Constantly. Psalm 23, 6, he's constantly pursuing them. So use their information in this sense to lead them to the right place, right? You can, you can ask questions, but not be an investigator. You, you know the difference, right? It can be a little bit of a fine line, right? Um, some okay, something generous. Okay, a lot of a lot of unchurched people they love to give to save the whales, right? Yeah. Forget save the humans, save the whales. You know, it's like, hey, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to condescend and, and slam their their desire, but I want to redirect them, right? Uh, there, this is, there's a lot here. They hate hypocrisy, right? They hate hypocrisy, um, and so on and so forth. The unchurched are such a unique um, group of people that really are looking for a message. That's what they really are. They're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Okay, God really cares about you. You know, I don't care if you believe in flat earth or whatever ridiculousness. Don't get sidetracked. I don't believe in a flat earth, by the way. I'm just using that as an example just for the scent. I don't want to get lost in a rant and lose the message. So I will ignore a lot of secondary talk to lead to the primary. And that's important because sometimes we can get into this whole... I can't believe that you believe that. Like, what's wrong with you? Do you have any brain? We can go off on this, and then we miss the opportunity to present the gospel. Yes. It's like, okay, that is a serious flaw, but the primary thing is, do you know Jesus? And maybe my third conversation or fourth conversation, we can address those other things. All right. Um, the next part of this document um, I'm going to let you read it about nine signs that your church is ready. For the unchurched. And I really highly recommend that you look at that because a lot of churches are not positioned for growth. <laughs> They're not positioned to assimilate into a community. They got their program and they got they don't want the young people to mess it up, right? And I'll just say this: the young people gotta mess it up. They gotta come in. They gotta come in, and there's gotta be a place made for them, and we want to include. Uh, young people, because guess what? Without young, the young people are what? Yeah, and they're the what of the church? Yeah, they're the future. Right? All right. 
Okay, I want to talk about one other thing here. Um, this monstrosity on the board here. Okay, this is going to be your homework assignment to write an essay on these five things, okay? So I want to talk a little bit about that. What does a, uh, a church look like that's healthy? Okay? And this comes from this book. Um, this is an awesome read. I've read it like three times. This is such a good read. Five Practices of a Fruitful Congregation, right? And this is such a good, uh, a good litmus test, a good indicator that your church is alive, okay? Anybody ever read the, the, the book, um, The Autopsy of a Dead Church? Oh, nobody? Okay. Write that down. That's, uh, that's an important point we can talk about later. The Autopsy of a Dead Church. It's a very interesting book. And uh, so you can get that online for free. But, all right, number one. What website you go to to get that one? What's that? What website you go to get that one? Just Google it, okay. Autopsy of a Dead Church, and, okay. and write like PDF and, and, and okay. it'll pop up. Yeah. So these five things show us the, the New Testament church. And we talked last week about Acts 2, 41 through 47, right? We talked about the dynamic church. Remember that? Yes. Remember a couple things we said about yes. that? Yes. All right. So number one, radical hospitality. And I can't tell you enough how important it is to not just be a friendly face, but to be someone that just is moving in compassion. Okay? And remember, the work of God is not quantifiable. You and I cannot see the, the scope of it. It is residual. It is always working. God is always moving. God is always speaking. God is always ministering. When people come to your church and they leave your church, guess what? The word, the experience does not leave them. Even if they forget it, it'll come back. So radical hospitality is when we express the love of God. Now that doesn't mean when I say the word radical, the original meaning of radical is closest to the source. Okay? Okay, it is something that reflects the heart of God. You know, one of the accusations of a church maybe is, oh, those people are judgmental, okay? Maybe that's the way they interpreted the church, and maybe they weren't judgmental, but inside they have a judgmental filter, so therefore everything's judgmental, mm -hmm. and the church was not judgmental. But when there's radical hospitality, it means that we're expressing the love of God, and kind of saying what we said already, in any condition, whosoever will may come, okay? The second part of a healthy church is passionate worship, okay, where we exalt the Lord. One of the, one of the greatest reasons why people come to the church is worship, kids program, and the message, okay? In that order, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately we want them to come because they want a message but a lot of people are conditioned to be entertained okay but passionate worship means <laughs> there might not be a light show and dry ice and people jumping around but it's it's alive it's it's biblical it's something that is uh, encouraging people to exalt the lord right passionate worship very important Maybe you have a Bible study, 
and uh, maybe you just have a few people. You can still have passionate worship. Uh, it's, it's all in how you present and worship God, right? Mm -hmm. Thirdly, a relevant biblical message. Okay, very important. A relevant biblical message. Hit them where they live. Philippians 2.16. Something relevant. Okay, I don't want to talk about opinions or politics or, um, you know, worst thing to do is to use your pulpit as a billy club to address things in your church. That's, that's like tragic right there. But you address what the Spirit says to the church, right? You can address trends, but your pulpit is a place of instruction and a biblical message, right? So important. Ezekiel 33.6, wisdom and knowledge is the stability of your times. You know why our nation is in the state that it's in? It's because, because any society is a reflection of the church, period. We can blame anybody all day long, but it's the condition of the church that is directly influencing the condition of a nation. That's why we're in trouble if, think about this, during the, during the pandemic, 10 churches closed, like by ratio, and guess how many reopened? Three. Right, exactly. Think about that for a minute. 70% closure, 70% uh, no, uh, not reopening. What does that do? And I'm glad, maybe some shouldn't have reopened, not to be facetious here, but what does that do to a nation? What does that do to a community? What does that do to a, what does that do to a, to a neighborhood? No more vacation Bible school, no more preaching, no more evangelism, no more. Think about the ramifications of that. Just think, just take a minute. Right? Does a lighthouse turn off its light when it's storming outside or storming in the sea? That's when it's most needed. Now I'm not I'm not anybody's judge, but the it's so key to go and to minister to our neighbors, to the person in front of us at work in a very intentional way. So our message, people are like, what are you all about? What are you all about? Right? Are you all about conformity? Like, no. We're all about transformation, right? Jesus plus nothing. Okay. Fourthly, risk-taking mission adventure. Reaching. <clears throat> Reach. It can be intimidating evangelism, but I tell you, it is awesome because God must take you outside your comfort zone. And really, evangelism's for you and me. It, isn't it true? It's true. Yeah. I mean, very few people may come in your doors based on evangelism. Mostly it's word of mouth. That's how we've seen it uh, in our growth in our church, but it's, it's to keep us engaged in what's going on in, in our in our uh, in our world and then lastly extravagant generosity okay very interesting extravagant generosity that doesn't mean we're giving out Cadillacs at the end of the month here but it does mean that what we have we are sharing it we are including people in it we are, if you've been here five minutes, five years, or 50 years, there's no partiality. These are mindsets that we're talking about today, right? It's amazing. 
I mean, how many times we've taken people through a tour of the church and they see pastor's office or they see the back offices. And, and I had one guy tell me this the other day. He says, I was in a church for five years and I didn't even know my pastor. And I said, I said, why did you stay there? And, and that's a good question. I don't think he really answered that, actually. The, and this is not an indictment. I'm just giving you a contrast. Pastor would come out, do his message, and then he'd leave and he'd drive away, right? So we don't need more preachers. That's going to be sound a little controversial. We need more shepherds, okay? We need more shepherds. Huge difference. Preaching, I want preaching, right? Um, one, one, one author said this. He said, I'd rather teach people to pray than to preach because if I'm praying, I will definitely preach. But if I'm preaching and not praying, I'll stop preaching. You see? Jeremiah 20, verse 9. If I'm praying, the fire of God will be so burning that you cannot hold us down. Right? All right. So let's go over this. Radical hospitality. What is radical hospitality? Ooh, all right. Good. Passionate worship, good. Jesus loves nothing. Okay, good. Relevant biblical message, good. Risk-taking mission adventure. Go out from the comfort zone. Yeah. Trust the Lord for the office. There are lions in the street. Really? <laughs> Do you know this in Proverbs? And we hear it every day. There is risk. There is trouble. There is... Really? Since when has it not been like that? Risk taking. Skin in the game, right? You're here tonight. You could be doing a thousand things, but you are fervent followers of God. Risk taking mission adventure. Erhan, he's from Turkey, right? Amazing country. It was no accident that we went to Turkey, right? Pastor Roger Robbins, right? It was intentional prayer and it was a risk, right? And anywhere in the world, right? Because we want more people like Erhan. This guy's worth a thousand guys, right? Extravagant generosity. We're not stingy, right? We're not stingy. Yeah. Can yeah. you explain that according to like small congregations? Extravagant generosity? Yeah. You're giving of your time. You're giving of yourself. You're giving of your resources. You're giving your food. I remember in the Ukraine when we're, where we ministered for many years, um, we one of the greatest ways of a personal investment was to eat together and and one of their cultural norms was right i mean gary's spent many years over there right in uh, romania moldova right ukraine like their culture is you have to ask them three times right in ukraine yeah yeah three times just because they they're so polite right i remember i, I remember my translator he was he was my tutor for language, um, and uh, we would always talk. And I said, "Are you hungry, Dima? Do you want to eat some food?" He's like, "No, I'm okay." You know. Maybe 30 minutes later, I'm like, "Dima, you look kind of hungry." You know, when was the last time you ate? He said, I'm doing all right. And then by the third time, you know, and if they say they're hungry, it's near they're near death. It's like, like he eats one day. He eats one time a day, and I'm like, so I paid him in like uh, Ukrainian food. Like I just I didn't give him any money. I just fed the guy. Right? It's like, it was so great. Anyway. Yes, Yvonne. Um, 
I was just wondering about the relevant uh, biblical message at this point. Yes. How to keep, you know, like um, available for everybody and still uh, deep enough sometimes. The more we learn about the Bible, the more, the more we study about the Bible, and the more, you know, sometimes the themes or the passages uh, shared are complex. Like, for example, it's, sometimes it can take a long time before we hear another John 3.16 uh, preaching, mm. even though it's so important, and especially for new believers, sometimes we can feel uh, we can go in more complexity instead of using, like, usual passage, because if we have every Sunday uh, a John 3.16 preaching, yes. it's also not great. So how to adapt <laughs> your relevant biblical message? Such a good question. Yeah, the seeker-friendly, right? It's called seeker-friendly, where it's always John 3.16, which is you could speak on John 3.16 for the rest of your life, and it would be very profound. But this is one of the challenges as leaders, right? You want to know your congregation or to be spiritually discerning of your congregation because you want to present a message that feeds everybody, okay? So you want to, uh, and this brings me to my next point, um, there are five types of people in your church and you want to be thinking about how to address and minister to these five different uh, quadrants of people because Bible school really is one of the greatest ways of discipleship. So our Bible school is our method of discipleship. Small groups, very important part of discipleship. So in a message, you might be just preaching with application with a little bit of teaching. In Bible school, it's teaching with a little bit of preaching with application. So you And small groups, which I'm a proponent of, uh, small groups is what keeps people in your church, would help foster relationships. We will spend several classes on that, but that's your discipleship venue. So in a message, you might not go so deep. Like, for instance, um, Pastor Chevelli and I were talking about when you church plant, you might spend a year talking about 1 Corinthians 13. A year. Okay? We might not get into theantric action and hypostatic union, right? It's like, person's like, where am I? But I can talk about you can, you can weave in the whole gospel in 1 Corinthians 13. You can. So, rap sessions. Rap sessions. Can I tell you something? Q&A. Very, very important. Q&A. Very few people do it. Um, that's when you answer the hard questions. That's when you can go deep. right? But in a message, in a church, uh, church uh, platform, you want to kind of address everyone's capacity as best as you can. So the five, the five areas, and I'll, I'll briefly touch on this. Who's in your church? This is how you're going to reach your church, okay? Who's in your church? You have teenagers, okay? You have single people or college people. You have married people, Right? Married with children and seniors. Now, those are very broad. You have divorcees, you have immigrants, you have all kinds of subgroups that, that are super 
awesome to creatively reach. But these are the five major ones. Teens, how am I reaching my teens? If I'm not reaching my teens, guess who's reaching my teens? The world. If I'm not parenting my kid, my, the world, my television is parenting them. Turn off those televisions or watch them carefully. So, yeah. College. Your college. It is, this is a, we'll talk about this at another class, and I don't mean to keep deferring, but between the ages of 18 and 30, the propensity of someone leaving the church and coming back is very high. It's over 70%. If a young person does not find their mission, if they do not find their place, very high percentage they will leave the church and then come back when life hits them. They're married, they've got a mortgage, they got a crisis. Typically, each person faces a crisis by the age of 40. Maybe some are, maybe earlier than that. 18 to 30, they will, they will bounce out, and the words that you invested in them will bring them back in. How many of us can say that? Yes. Yeah. Great. And here you are as leaders. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. So, married... Marriage, we do four things a uh, four things a year for our married folk. One of the greatest arenas for maturity building is marriage. <laughs> it's an awesome relationship and a lot of work. Right, right? Pastor Mir, how many marriages do we counsel a week? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And if how many are married here? Yeah, we just understand it's awesome, but it's an awesome work of God too, right? I'm 25 years into it and I can tell you the church has saved my marriage. And what does that mean? It means that I have a life in the body of Christ where my wife has relationships with other ladies and we have a mission that's so much greater than ourselves. And thank God, because I would drive her crazy. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. I love to be with people. She loves to be in a comfortable chair. I love to be moving 100 miles an hour with my hair on fire. She likes to sip and drink tea and have a great day, and I love that, right? And nothing wrong with that. I couldn't do that. I can't even sit still for 10 minutes. All right. Anyway, married with children. Right, Pastor Amir? Oh, we have a lot of fun. No, my wife is incredible. We, we came together in Bible school and we served overseas, and I fell in love with her life before I, before I fell in love with her. And that's a great point for those that are looking for a spouse, is fall in love with their life with God, because what brings you together will keep you together. Sometimes we forget what brings us together, and we reinvent other things, and then what happens is this. But our mission is like this keeps us together. And it's got to be something greater. It's like the tick and the deer principle. Ticks, two ticks together don't do much, right? They need a deer. They need something. They need some meat, right? Okay. Great, great, great illustration there. Okay. Um, and then seniors. Can I tell you something? Or I should say kids. Your kids program. Your kids are super, super important and need to be protected and trained up. Seniors. Can I say, they, these are probably some of the most important people in your church, and they're often mostly forgotten, okay? And that is, isn't that? You know, that's our world, right? You're out of your prime, get out of the way, right? I mean, how many people have 
started jobs and then someone's taken their job and they've been bumped away, right? In the church, think about the years of experience people have weathered through the decisions by faith and you got somebody in your church uh, that is really seasoned, right? You want to target those and include those, invite those, and purposely not forget the widow, right? That's one of the major things in ministry. All right. Okay, so key statement of the night. You ready? Okay, let me ask you, what is a, what is, what's the ingredient to a personal connection? What did we say it was? Compassion. Yes, moved with compassion. That's, that's the crux of it. That's the crux. But we gave three other points, but that's the point. Move with compassion. People are like fine china. They break, they can break by a word. They're like fine china. 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 Okay. So what, what were the, what were the, um, we said that there were three components to that. What were they? Listening. Learning. Loving. And then eventually we lead them. We lead them beyond themselves. Good. Okay, if it's not personal, it's not powerful. Good. It's not personal. It's not powerful. So maybe you're you're ministering to somebody and you have no idea how to minister to them. It's just remember identification means I'm praying, I'm listening, I'm celebrating what they're interested in. I'm just in the moment, in the moment. Just be in the moment with people, right? All right, I want to catch this before we catch this last statement before we close. Um, so, in the in the website, we talk a lot about hospitality, and uh, we talk about the three L's to hospitality. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that next week. The uh, the important, but I want you to look at those um, those resources. I believe it's B, C, and D. Um, so. The look, linger, and like. And uh, so look at that uh, resource. Look, people are looking. If they start to linger, they'll eventually like where they are. Okay? Look, linger, like. And we're going to talk about that. It's Remember, that website is just a, a, a bunch of great resources. Okay, this is a statement I'd like us to kind of end the night with. Okay, and this will help you write your, your page paper on this, okay? Because I'd like you to write a page paper on what these five things, the infrastructure of a healthy church, okay? Okay, <clears throat> radical hospitality, passionate worship, relevant message, risk-taking mission, and extravagant generosity. This doesn't mean I have hundreds of people in my church. I could have five people in my church, and there's, there's like authentic hospitality, like I'm accepting them based on Christ's mindset, passionate worship, right? We're just enjoying God together. There's a message. People want a message, not an emotional devotional. They want something with teeth and a risk mission. By the way, I'll just say something about the Ukraine. In the Ukraine, uh, there was a time where people were making $50 a month. And I remember we couldn't balance our budget in the Ukraine. We, we just, our, our bills were, were so great just simply because, uh, everything was inflated. And, um, and I remember praying, I said, God, I said, how can we, 
balance our budget, right? Because I didn't want to like start to push on the people to give. Because imagine that. You make $50 a month, you don't want to push on people. So I had this thought, support a missionary. I just had this thought come to my mind, support a missionary. And I said, that is crazy. I can't even pay my electric bill in our church. <laughs> How can I do this? And I just, the Lord kind of just kept saying that. Have the church support a missionary. And um, so with a mission adventure, we began to support a missionary in the other part of the Ukraine, southern Ukraine, for $25 a month. I didn't know where that money was going to come from. I told the church, I said, this is something we're going to pray and seek God about. You know what happened? That money came, $25 a month. And you know what else happened? The offerings started to go up. And you know what else happened? Our budget started to balance. And we did not have an extravagant budget because I was giving my own money. We were, we were borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. This whole thing, I'm like, God, this is not this. And what was happening was God was saying, I need you to take a risk. And I will, I will give the increase. And you know what happened? We started to grow to supporting five missionaries. We actually had money saved to send people to conferences. And we were able to um, balance our budget. And in the years to come, very interestingly enough, uh, we had a man in our church, a businessman that was an Afghani, uh, he was an Afghani uh, veteran. And he came up to me after a message one day, and he says, you know what? I really sense God wants me to give for a building. And so I'm thinking to myself, that's a great idea. I, you know, I knew this guy, but I had no idea the resources this man had. And as the years progressed in our church, <laughs> he had meat factories, and he actually, his, some of his investments where he owned small villages, the short of it is this. He was a key component, among others, to help us buy the church that we have there today. So you never know what can happen when you take a risk. Isn't that great? And then generosity. Generosity. Okay, so here, here's the statement. Building bridges tears down walls. That's what I want you to think about. Building bridges will tear down walls. Okay, what do I mean by that? Your initiation by faith... Simple grace, simple faith will address the complex, complexity of man. Build a bridge, God will tear down the walls that that person has in their heart. Isn't that good? Yes. I don't know how to reach people, but I'm going to just move with compassion, hear their story, learn their story, love them with God's story. And then all of a sudden, guess what happens? That person begins to open up. That person begins to uh, be transformed. And what was, our, what was our privilege? Build a bridge. How do you build a bridge? Relationships. Good. But physically, how do you build a bridge? One brick at a time. One brick at a time, okay? Two places, two, an impasse, right? You cannot, you cannot cross over. And God says, build a foundation. One brick at a time, and by relationship. It may take years to discover that person, right? And all of a sudden, one day, it's like that person, the person you never thought would be anything, is now your assistant pastor or something like that. The, pe the people we think are going are gonna to be amazing, they may be amazing, but typically it's the one, 
It's the one that is that is um, underestimated. Okay, I'll just close it. I know we're going off here, but there's a guy in the Ukraine. I'm thinking of the Ukraine a lot these days, but uh, I'll never forget him. We were doing a cookout. We used to love doing this. I mean, Gary knows. It's just awesome when you're out there in Eastern Europe. And uh, there was a guy, and you never had to ask him to do anything because he was already doing it. And that's a great sign, by the way. And I remember he was. Uh, I remember he was putting wood together for the for the fire, and the Holy Spirit just showed me him. You know how the Lord does that sometimes? He kind of shows you people. Yes. And this man, he, he, uh, he showed him to me, and then I was like, I began to notice him, like in the spirit, and then uh, and then years later, he became the pastor of the church when I when I moved back to the United States. But isn't that interesting? It's like it's the person that doesn't need to be driven. If he's he or she is being drawn, right? They're being motivated. So build bridges. Build bridges wherever you are, right? Just God is working. God is relentless. All right, any questions? Any comments? Yes? I don't get uh, what you mean by one-page essay. Is it like, how is it, wor how is it working? Why is it relevant? How to exemplify it in the church? How to grow it? All like, of those. Okay. All of those. In one page? Yes. Yes, please. That's a great point. I had a lady in my class last year that wrote seven pages essays. It was awesome, but I only want one page. <laughs> please. I would say, you have so much to say. Please say less. No. Um, so, so really, why is, like, these are some infrastructures of a healthy church. So I want you to expound on that, okay? There was and a for each one. Pardon? So it could be one page. One page for all five. Yes. Oh. One page. One page that includes all five. Okay. Yes. So why? Why is this okay? So our meeting. Our meeting tonight was all about personal connections, right? Mm -hmm. Meaningful connections. This is the fruit of it, right? Kind of. Good. Anybody else? There's a couple of their hands. Little, little send by email. Okay, yeah. Do you want to say anything, Dan? This is an awesome young man. I know his family, right? Amazing. Ecuador, right? Yes. Yeah, that's an amazing country. Emmanuel, right? Yes. Yeah, it's great. It's good. I'm embarrassing him right now. I'm <laughs> so glad to have you in the class. Okay, amen. Good. Anybody else? Any other comments? Andrew? Andrew's been all over Asia, right? He's a surfer. All right? Indonesia. Yeah. I became a surfer to reach the surfers, right? Ray <laughs> Johnson. Pastor Amir, any closing comments or Boyette? Or? Uh, I don't know. If you prefer to, if you prefer to submit hard uh, copy, you can give it to me on presentation if you have trouble with email. You can print it and give it to me as well. Okay. If you have any further questions, you can come to me all the time. Call him anytime. <laughs> my wife doesn't let me have my phone in the bedroom anymore because it would call all of the time. Mr. Holy, do you want to say anything? Anything in your heart? Okay. Love the input. Love the input. All right. Father, bless us tonight. Lord, help us 
Father, you spoke to the heart. You just didn't speak to the behavior. You spoke to the person's potential, not just to their present condition. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us boldness. Give us uh, this godly motivation. We want to be moved with compassion. And only you can do that, Father. And just bless each one here. Really bless our city. Bless our churches. We think of our nation tonight. Really encourage leaders uh, to uh, just be moved with compassion. And uh, maybe we can't do much, but we do what we can with what we have, where we are. And just quicken us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you.